Let's read together Joshua chapter 12. Now in this chapter, we have a summary of all the kings that Israel conquered on both the east side of the Jordan River and on the west side of the Jordan River in the conquest of the land of Canaan. Joshua chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. These are the kings of the land whom the children of Israel defeated, and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan toward the rising of the sun, from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon, and all the eastern Jordan plain. One king was Sion, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead. From Aroer, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabbok, which is the border of the Ammonites, and the eastern Jordan plain from the Sea of Shinaroth, as far as the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea, the road to Beth Jezimoth, and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. The other king was Og, king of Bashan, and his territory, who was of the remnant of the giants, who dwelt at Ashtaroth and at Edri, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Salca, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Maacathites, and over half of Gilead to the border of Sion, king of Heshbon. These Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as a possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And these are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan on the west from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount Halak and the ascent to Seir, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. In the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness, and in the south the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, the king of Jericho one, the king of Ai, which is beside Bethel one, the king of Jerusalem one, the king of Hebron one, the king of Jarmuth one, the king of Lachish one, the king of Eglon one, the king of Gezer one, the king of Debir one, the king of Geder one, the king of Horma one, the king of Arad one, the king of Libna one, the king of Adullam one, the king of Makeda one, the king of Bethel one, the king of Tepua one, the king of Hefer one, the king of Aphek one, the king of Lasharon one, the king of Madon one, the king of Hazor one, the king of Shimron Meron one, the king of Akshaf one, the king of Tanak one, the king of Megiddo one, the king of Kedesh one, the king of Jachneum in Carmel one, the king of Dor in the heights of Dor one, the king of the people of Gilgal one, the king of Tirzah one, all the kings, 31. Margie said to me uh, when I was preparing this message, you're not going to read all those names and all those kings, are you? I said, well, why not? This is the Bible. These people at this church, they're spiritual. They can handle this stuff. <laughs> well, anyway, it wasn't so bad, right? <laughs> Let's begin this chapter with some background notes. The book of Joshua is clearly divided into two halves. Chapters 1 through 12 could be entitled The Conquering of the Land, and chapters 13 through 24 could be entitled The Settling of the Land. So Joshua chapter 12 is the last chapter of the first half of the book of Joshua, and it's a summary of all the kings that were conquered on both sides of the Jordan River. Verses 1 through 6 give us the two kings who were conquered on the east side of the Jordan River, namely Sion, king of Heshbon in the south, and Og, king of Bashan, in the north. Both of these kings were kings of the Amorites, 
and both of their kingdoms were on the east side of the Jordan River. Now, don't confuse the Amorites with the Ammonites. The Ammonites also dwelt on the east side of the Jordan River, and they were descendants of Lot. The Amorites were one of the enemy nations that possessed the land of Canaan. Most of them lived on the west side of the Jordan, but we have some of them living on the east side of the Jordan in these two kingdoms of Sion and Og in the north. So verses 1 through 6 then summarize the defeat of these two Amorite kings who were on the east side of the Jordan River. Now verses 7 through 24 is a summary of all the conquered kings on the west side of the Jordan River. 31 kings in all, 16 in the south and 15 in the north. Now what are so many kings doing in an area of land that is only about the size of the state of New Jersey? The answer is that these are kings of city-states. The Canaanites were not united as a nation, but they were fractured up into many city-states with a ruling king for each city. Archaeologists have located the mounds or tells of many of these ancient cities that are mentioned here, and many of them are also mentioned in the Amarna letters. The Amarna letters are ancient clay tablets uncovered in Egypt. They were communication between Egypt and the political leaders in Canaan around the time of the conquest. So a number of the cities that are mentioned here in Joshua chapter 12 are also named in the Amarna letters. Once again, archaeology supporting the accuracy of Scripture. Well, so much for our background notes. Let's move now to our doctrinal or teaching points. Doctrinal or teaching point number one. God keeps a record of the believer's enemies in the land. God keeps a record of the believer's enemies in the land. Seriously speaking now, or honestly speaking, how many of you would have skipped this chapter in your devotional reading through the book of Joshua? I mean, what possible spiritual lessons or practical application can we get from such a chapter where all we have is a summary of the kings conquered in the land of Canaan? That's probably why many of you have never heard Joshua 12 preached on before, right? <laughs> well, here's one lesson. God keeps a record of the believer's enemies in the land. Remember, the physical land of Canaan, with all of its blessings and battles, represents or pictures the spiritual land of spiritual blessings and spiritual battles that the Lord has given us and wants us to possess. The Lord wants us to enjoy the spiritual blessings and be victorious in the spiritual battles. In this spiritual picture that God has given to us here in Joshua, all of these kings represent satanic forces at work to keep us defeated as believers and keep us from enjoying our spiritual blessings in Christ. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now let me ask you, do you think God knows all about these enemy forces? Of course he does. Just as God kept a detailed record here of all the enemy kings in the land of Canaan, so God knows and keeps a record of all the enemy opposition that we face. God knows everything that Satan is doing and knows every single principality and power 
and he knows every single fallen angel and demon that exists. After all, God created them before their fall. God knows every form of spiritual opposition that these enemy forces are using to try and defeat us and prevent us from enjoying our spiritual blessings in Christ. Now, this gives me encouragement. How about you? To know that God knows all the problems and temptations and forms of spiritual opposition that we face should be an encouragement to us. David said in Psalm 69, verse 19, that all his adversaries were before God. That is, God knew them all. God knows each and every enemy force that we face. God keeps a record of the believer's enemies in the land. Doctrinal point number two. God keeps a record of the believer's victories in the land. God keeps a record of the believer's victories in the land. Not only does God know every satanic agent and every evil force that we face in spiritual warfare, but he also enables us to defeat these enemy forces. Listen to the promise of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation or test has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able, but will, with the temptation or test, also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So God promises that there is no temptation or test. The word that's used there can be translated both ways and includes both. Temptation, solicitation to evil, or test, test of our faith. So God promises that there's no temptation to sin or tests of our faith that we face that we can't overcome and see victory. And God expects us to be victorious. And he keeps a record of the victories so that he can reward us. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. What's the crown of righteousness, anyway? The crown of righteousness is not the reward of becoming righteous, because we already are righteous if we're believers. That's our position in Christ. The crown of righteousness is the reward for righteous living. And righteous living includes victory over spiritual opposition. The Lord not only enables us to be victorious in spiritual warfare, he keeps a record of the victories and remembers them and will reward us for the victories. Just as God kept a record of all of Israel's victories in the land of Canaan, so God keeps a record of all our victories in spiritual warfare. Now, this truth can be applied collectively as well as individually. The Lord knows every form of spiritual opposition this church has faced. And he keeps a record of your faithfulness and victories. He knows how you have resisted any attempt of the enemy to penetrate this fellowship with false doctrine over the years. He knows how you have kept the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace when dissension has raised its ugly head. He knows how you have disciplined sin in line with the word of God. 
The Lord keeps a record of these victories and will reward you. God keeps a record of the believer's victories in the land. Practical application. Count your many battles, name them one by one. Count your many battles, name them one by one. We often sing that hymn, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Well, in view of the teaching of Joshua chapter 12, we should also sing, count your many battles, name them one by one. You know, we could write across this chapter, great is thy faithfulness. God had promised the land to Israel. It was part of the Abrahamic covenant, and God was faithful to his promise. God had promised victory over every enemy that Israel faced, and God was faithful to his promise. And now these battles are recounted in Joshua chapter 12. You see the lesson for us? Count your many battles, name them one by one. Let me ask you, have you remembered to thank the Lord for giving you victory over certain temptations? Have you remembered to thank the Lord for giving you victory over that jealous spirit you had concerning that brother or sister of yours in Christ? Have you remembered to thank the Lord for giving you the ability to control your temper? Have you remembered to thank the Lord for giving you the capacity to stop lying? You know, just thanking the Lord for these victories gives us strength for further victories, sometimes in these same areas. We should never rest on our laurels, but we should always remember to count your many battles, name them one by one.